Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Good morning, Roxborough Church. Hope you guys are doing well this morning. Um, It's good to be together once again on this Sunday. Um, I hope that you are expecting Jesus to show up um, today in your life. Uh, No matter how you woke up this morning, whether it was, you know, in a good mood or a bad mood or however you're feeling um, or however your week went, I pray that you are expecting God to show up, everyone on our live stream as well as in person, um, because Jesus desires to move in our lives. Um, I believe Jesus has a word for us this morning through Pastor Crawford and uh, during worship we have the ability to just uh, dwell in God's presence and also um, allow God to uh, receive our worship um, because he's worthy of it. Um, But remember that God desires to speak to us this morning and so I hope you're encouraged to hear from the Lord. Uh, Before we jump into worship, would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much. Um, God, I know we wake up... um, feeling all sorts of different ways. Um, I know everybody's week was different, God, and um, and everyone's mood is different this morning, God. But I, I pray one thing would be true, God, for your people is that we would expect you to speak this morning. Um, because, God, you desire us to draw close to you. You desire us to hear from you, God. And so I pray that we would look forward to what you desire to speak to us this morning. God, I pray this in this time during worship would be pleasing to you and that we would fix our gaze on you, God, our hope. Um, And so God, uh, lift up our hearts, lift up our voices, God, um, lift up our eyes to you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. I had to switch mics there, so I left it on the bench, so I had to go grab it. It is good to be here this morning. It's good to see those who are here, and it's also good to have those who are watching online to be with us this morning. And I'm not going to waste any time. I want to get right into the word this morning. So I do like to pray once again. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity of being able to be here. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. And in the midst of everything that's taking place, you're still God. Father, you're still showing how you are God. Lord, we thank you that we know you. We thank you that you reveal yourself on a regular basis in our lives. And so, Father, we ask that you will bless this time. Lord, use your word to speak to your people Lord, use your word to bring those who don't know you to you. Lord, we give you the honor and the praise, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are many individuals who love to live life on the edge. And you can tell by the things that they do. Some people love rock climbing, and they rock climb without any gear on, anything to protect them, and they climb rocks with nothing except for their hands. There, there are those who love to bungee jump. There's no way I would ever do that. But they get the thrill out of falling on a rubber band, and they'll be pulled back up, and they go up and down. 
until they come to a stop. There are those who like to water ski, and to me, there's no way I would want to do that. But then there are those who actually do things as a profession. There are those individuals who love to race cars, and they like to the thrill of going 200 miles per hour. There is no way I would ever want to be in a car that would drive that fast. That's living life on the edge. They, they love the thrill of being on the edge, actually, of, of death. Because we don't know what's going to happen during those times, and there's a risk involved. What's interesting is that when we look in God's word, we are able to see that God wants believers, those who believe in Jesus as their Savior, to live their spiritual lives with an edge. Well, where do I get that from? Well, when you look in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, Jesus says something very interesting. He says, I come not to bring peace, but a sword. And then when we look in Hebrews 4.12, we see that the word of God is, is active, it's living, and sharper than a two-edged sword, and is able to cut the soul and the spirit, dividing the soul and the spirit and the bone and marrow. Notice how far that sword goes in. It's deep, isn't it? See, when we look at what a sword is able to do, a sword goes in and actually separates. That's what a cutting edge does. We have cutting edges in our house. We have knives, don't we? We use it to cut meat and other things. And when we cut something, it separates it. We have a pair of scissors. And when you cut a piece of paper, what does it do? It separates that piece that paper, and so now you have two or more. When we use a chainsaw, we, we use chainsaws to cut trees with, and when you cut the trees or the branches off of the, the tree, it separates the branch from the tree itself, or we cut down the tree, which separates the tree from the ground in which it needs to grow. So cutting actually separates and when we think of what God is talking about here, that G, or what Jesus is saying here, Jesus is truth. He comes to bring truth, and truth actually separates us from the lies that are in us because we're born in lies. I don't know if you ever thought about that before. Being enslaved to sin means that we are enslaved to lies. And as we grow in our family of origin, there's more lies that are in us because most of us who weren't saved at an early age, we now, when, when we get saved or when people get saved later in life, look at what they have in them. They have a lot of things in them. And when you really think about it, when we get saved, we actually receive everything that we need at that time for life. Well, why do I say that? Because when we get saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit brings with him everything that's a part of God. So when we get saved, we have all of the things that we need through the Spirit of God who indwells us. So all truth comes with the Spirit of God. Now here's the thing. Even though we have everything in us, everything in us has not been revealed And part of the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal the truth over time as we interact with the word of God and allow the truth to dissipate the lies that have been a part of our lives for years. They call it growing in Christ. And so this morning, I'd like to share with you a text. It's a very interesting text, and and I want you to know that a lot of the things that I'm going to share with you today, it's, it's out of application. We need to understand there's a difference between interpretation of the Scripture and application of the Scripture. There should only be one interpretation of the Scripture. But there's several applications that you can get out of one Scripture. And so the Scripture that we're looking at today there's going to be application that's going to arise out of it. And so the message today that I'm going to be talking about is recovering the cutting edge. Recovering the cutting edge. As I just said, I said that we're born, or when we're born again, we have everything that we need for life. And I also said that we should be living life with an edge. That means that our lives should be cutting. (laughs) Wow, that sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? But our lives should have an edge to it that cuts. Well, Crawford, what are we cutting? We are cutting people's lies that they're filled with. And when they meet a believer, they should be impacted by truth because truth is now in us. And as truth is revealed over time in us, we should be willing to take on people when they have a different mindset that we know is outside of God. So therefore, our our lives should have an edge to it. And, And a lot of times when we're born again, those who have been born again, there's an excitement that comes along with being born again. And somewhere along the line, that people... When they're born again, a lot of times they, they, they want to be in church and, and they want to be in the word and they try to learn and soak up everything possible. But somewhere along the line, they don't want to do it anymore. It becomes boring or it becomes hard or it interferes with their lifestyle or they allow other things to get in the way. And so everything is grabbing our attention. And then we lose the edge that God wants us to have. Well, in this story, and we can find it in 2 Kings chapter 6, this is what it says. It says, the company of the prophets said to Elisha, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to live. And he said, go. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servant? I will, I will, Elisha replied, and he went with them. 
They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. What we see here is actually discipleship. In the Old Testament, there were what's known as the schools of the prophets. Elisha had prophets that he would lead and that he would share with and, and that he would help to develop ministry, the ministry of prophesying, and also he would help them to develop into the priest. And so we see here that Elisha has a school and there's prophets with him. He's training them for the purpose of prophetic ministry and, and for the priestly office. And as these prophets are with Elisha, there's a dynamic that's happening. They're growing. It seems to be more and more individuals coming to be a part of this school of the prophets. So the prophets went to Elisha and said, hey, we need another place to meet because the one we're meeting in is too small. That lets us know that they were growing and that they needed a place bigger. But it also lets us know something else. Notice what I said earlier. These men are actually being discipled. And we see here that Elisha was a disciple of Elijah. We know in the scripture that when we look that uh, Paul was a disciple and lived in the house of Rufus for several for a couple years. We also know that Moses disciple, we see the dynamic of discipleship early in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And then of course we know that Jesus had 12 disciples. There's a model of discipleship that we see in the scripture. And that same model is to be used today because that's how the church is to grow. It grows through discipleship. And so we are able to capture in the first two verses underneath the text, as we pull the text out, we're able to see that there's characteristics of discipleship. And, and what are they? Well, here's what we're able to see. We see that they were growing. We see that they were submissive. Obviously, they were teachable. We see that they were operating as a team because they came to Elisha together and said, hey, we need to do this, which means they were common in mind and purpose. They exhibited a determination to, to have initiative. Hey, who told them that they needed a new building? It wasn't Elisha. They saw it for themselves. And they said, hey, we need a new place to live. Let's go to Elisha and say, hey, Elisha, is this okay for us to do? And they took the initiative. So they, they had self-determination. They had a heart for ministry. They had a teachable spirit. And I said that already. And they had a passion for people. And I, I want you to catch something here too. Notice what one of them said. One of them said, hey, Elisha, why don't you come down with us? 
usually when you're at a job, you don't want your boss to be around. <laughs> Matter of fact, you tell your boss, just go away. We got this. There's something about the boss being there that you don't want him there because you feel that, man, why is he looking at us? Why does he have to hang around? We're going to get the work done. But that isn't the case here, is it? They wanted Elisha to be a part of it. They wanted Elisha to come down with, yo, Elisha, come join us to, to see what we're going to be doing. We want you to be here with us because they had something in common. They had, they had the same goals. They had the same mindset. And they wanted the one who was leading them to be a part of what they were doing. What we see in this scripture is an ocular demonstration of, of what is God wants to show us principle-wise. We, we see here in a, a, a pictorial illustration of something that can be developed outside of the text. And so what we see here is that, wait a minute, discipleship is what helps to get the cutting edge in our lives. I've been in the church all my life. And as I grew up in the church, there wasn't much discipleship at all. Maybe it was because they didn't understand it. Maybe they didn't know how to do it. But basically, church consisted of going to church on a Sunday, going to Bible study on Wednesday nights, and, and basically serving in, in ministries. But there was no one actually in my life who walked with me on a regular basis to help me to understand the scripture. To help me to understand how, how God is able to work in my life. How Jesus wants to be a part of our lives on an everyday basis, not just a Sunday or Wednesday night. And the reality was, is that the discipleship model that we see in Scripture was not used in the church. And there are some discipleship models across our country today in the church. But what's interesting, a lot of people who make up the churches, and I'm talking about the church, you know, within the church buildings, you can have people there on Sunday and be 5,000 people. But then how many of those people are actually being discipled? If they're not being discipled, then they're not really being a part of what God intended for the church. Because the church grows because of discipleship. The church grows because of the active engaging of one with someone else, teaching them how Jesus works in our lives. See, the reality is a lot of people don't know how to appropriate the word of God in their life. And they have to be shown and they have to say it. See, we can know the scripture and we can know all of it. But if we do not put it into practice, we will not see the manifestation of God in our lives. And isn't that what it's about? It's about seeing God active and moving in our lives, not just having a bunch of head knowledge. Can we identify when God is moving? Can we identify the little things that indicate that God is actually doing something? Or do we see those things as a bunch of problems or issues? Are we able to tell the difference? 
And so these, these men were growing, and, and, and God has a process through discipleship and helping us to grow and to live out the word of God. And, and so how do we get that edge? What does discipleship bring to our lives that help us to get that cut? What is it? Well, here's what it is. It's the word of God. It's righteousness. It's, it's faith. It's it's obedience to God, it's fellowship, it's submission, it's, it's consistency, it's allowing our lives to become salt and light. It's personal revival on a regular basis. Those are the characteristics of individuals who are keeping their edge sharp and being ready always. When God tells them to do something or to say something, because they're tuned in, they're ready. Notice what the text says. It says, they went down to the Jordan, and then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? And he went down with them. And then it says this, they went to the Jordan and began to cut down the trees. They began to cut down the trees. In order for them to build a building, they had to cut down the trees because the trees were going to be used to build the building. Well, how does God grow his church? He grows his church through evangelism. Evangelism is the way that he uses through his people to grow the church. And the evangelism is used, by the way, not just personal evangelism, but it's also used through marriage. A lot of people don't say that about marriage, but our marriages are part of what God chooses to use to, read, to actually show people what redemption looks like between the church and the, and the people. God, or Jesus, is the husband. And those who are believers, they are the bride. Well, what does that look like? It should be demonstrated through the husband and wife relationship here on earth. And that picture of what God wants to show through that married couple is to draw people to him because what we practice in our marriage is what God wants to show the world what he looks like or uses to, for, to, for people to understand how he works and what he looks like. The, cut, the cutting edge. The cutting edge has to be sharp in order to cut. But I want you to see something here. Notice what happened. The one man comes to Elisha and he says, oh, no. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. That means the cutting axe head was, was no longer on there. If you're familiar with axes, there's two parts to an axe. There's the, the handle, and then there's the axe head itself, which is the cutting head, which is the cutting part of it. And it slips on the handle. 
And so the handle can, the axe can actually come off the handle. I had that happen to me before. And so this axe head comes off and goes into the water. Now, we need to understand something about sharp edges. Sharp edges can get dull. And how do they get dull? Well, they get dull through different ways. Cutting edges or sharp edges can get dull because of dirt. When you use a chainsaw, when you actually hit the dirt instead of hitting the wood, the dirt can actually cause the blade to dull, and then you have to go resharpen the blade. At home, when you use your knives, over a period of time, when you keep using your knife over and over, you have to sharpen the edge because over time that blade gets dull. Water can actually dull the blade if it stays in water too long. And what's interesting about looking at water and blades, matter of fact, I had a a saw in one of my storage sheds outside, and I didn't put it away in the house. And what ended up eventually happened, it rusted. It rusted because of oxidation, which comes by way of moisture. And over time, the blade not only rusted, but now it had a dull edge and I couldn't use it anymore. Now, did you catch that? Over time, things can happen in our lives. Our lives can get dulled. Well, how do our lives get dulled, Crawford? What what happens? How do we lose that edge? How do we lose that sharpness? Well, well, we lose the sharpness because of unconfessed sin. We lose that sharpness because of the sins of omission, the things that we're not doing that God wants us to do. We, We lose that sharpness when we continually are exercising judgmentalism. Because now we find ourselves in a state of believing that we're better than everybody else and we really aren't. We lose that sharpness because of hypocrisy. Because we're really not being what God wants us to be, but yet in front of people we're acting like it. We lose that sharpness because of doubt. Because we don't believe in the character of God. We don't really believe in the power of God. We don't really believe in his wisdom. We don't really act like we believe that he loves us. And we lose that edge. We lose that edge because of selfishness. Because we want to be in charge and we don't want to let God do it. We lose that edge because, we, because of worldliness, because our vision is on the pleasures of the world instead of the things of God. We lose that edge because we have critical spirits. We're always criticizing everything that's being done. We, we're bitter. We're negative. We're thankless. We're sour. We, we have blind visit, vision. We, we have uselessness. We, we have corroded love. We have a corroded spiritual life. We overanalyze all the issues. It dulls our blade, being critical and being worldly. We're very impatient. We can't handle the process. We want instant gratification. And when it doesn't come, guess what? We get mad and we get upset and we have to leave. We act like a kid with with a tantrum. Spiritual coldness, we have apathy, we get indifferent, we, use, we lose a, a lack, of, we have a lack of zeal, 
And then there's rebellion. We get angry at God and we just don't want to be bothered with him anymore. And we stray away because of drifting. All those things dull our blades. Right now we're dealing with COVID-19. They shut everything down. And let me tell you what can happen. We can get so comfortable being at home, watching the service on a screen that we're not thinking about coming back to church anytime soon. And I can understand people with underlying conditions, but what about those who don't have them? And they're really okay. And what's interesting to me is that I go to the supermarket and nobody is really social distancing. I go to the store, like Lowe's and other places, and you walk right by people. And people have been doing that, but yet for some unknown reason, which we know is a, there's a reason, that people don't feel safe coming to church or feel safe even coming outside the church. When it's already been shown that being outside is going to minimize the potential of, of something happening. What has happened? It's just a question. Has our blade been dulled? Has our spiritual yearning been dulled thinking that we're okay and that the church is okay by, not, by you not being here? Well, we're going through what we need to do, but it would be great if you could be with us because you're part of us. And so we really have to think about what has happened to people with their mindsets because this is what happened to the nation of Israel. They began to lose their fervor. They began to lose their edge. They began to desire other things, the comfortability of being somewhere else instead of being with the people of God and being around God and being with God. Why? Because they're the dullness that comes with not being in a place where we can get constantly keep our edge sharpened. They lost the edge. But I need to hurry up. So let me go to the next part. Notice what happens. The axe head fell into the water and the man cries out, it was borrowed. And then he says, the man of God asked, where did it fall? Here comes Elisha. Now, Elisha was there. Now, what would have happened if he wasn't there? How do we get that edge back? How do we get that edge back when it's dulled? It doesn't matter when. It doesn't matter how. Because let's be honest, there are times in which our edges are going to get dulled. Let's be real. My, my edge has gotten dulled over time. This is a long journey. But we have to know and identify when our edge is dulled and want to get it sharpened. The key isn't that, okay, it doesn't get dulled. The key is when we realize that it's dulled, we need to sharpen it. And so here's what it says. The text lets us know that the edge that this axe had been borrowed. 
So I want to see, here's four things. How do we get the cutting edge back? Well, we need to remember the source. He said it was borrowed. We need to give this back to him. Oh, my God, it's in the water. We don't have any money. <laughs> How are we going to buy this guy a new axe head? We don't have no money. We poor. That's why we borrowed it. <laughs> and look at, look at what Elisha says. Where, where was it? <laughs> Tell me where it was. See, remember the source. How did you get saved? How excited were you when you got saved? How did you feel when you knew that Jesus had brought you out of enslavement to sin and now you were in the kingdom of God and you had God being part of your life now? Remember that. Go back to the source. Remember what you used to do. Remember the things that, that, that were happening in your life and, and what was taking place. Remember the source. And then what? Return to the place. Where was it? Where, where was the place that you lost the axe head? Identify where you began to go downhill and start to lose your joy. Something happened. Identify where it was. Return to that place. And then look at what he does. He's, he gets a stick, shows him where it was, and, and guess what happened? A miracle. The axe head began to float. Well, it wasn't Elisha that did it. Through Elisha being there and him asking the Lord to do it, but it was the Lord that did, that did it. Recognize the supernatural. What's going on in your lives, y'all? We, we need to recognize the supernatural. It's not us. It's God in us. Recognize the supernatural. Recognize what God is doing in your lives. Don't take the credit for something that God is doing. Recognize the supernatural. And then what do we see? Respond with action. The asset, the asset could have just stayed there. No, somebody had to reach out and grab it. Or they had to get on a boat, a little boat, and go out and get it when they saw it at the top. Well, what does that say for us? We have to respond with action. Respond with action. Don't just stay where you're at. Yeah, we know you got there. We know you lost the edge. But stay, don't stay there. We don't have to stay there. That's the whole thing about salvation. We go through different phases of our life. We go through changes. We go through hurt. We go through pain. We go through tribulations. That's the verse in 1 John 1, 9, where we can confess our sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He knew that we were going to mess up because we're flesh, but because of him being in our lives, that is what makes the difference. That is what makes it worthwhile. That's why we don't have to stay there because God isn't just a God of a second chance. He's a God of another chance and another chance and another chance. We got to remember that. It's a relationship. And he loves us. That's what we get from the text. That's how we get the cutting edge back. And finally, what keeps our edge sharp? Is there a way of keeping it sharp? Absolutely. How do we keep the edge sharp? We keep the edge sharp through confessing our sin on a regular basis. 
That's how we keep it sharp. We keep it sharp through our devotions, by being in the word on a regular basis and having God speak to us. Just like we would any family member that we love. We want to be in their presence. We want to communicate. We, we, we want them to be around us. That would, that's what God desires from us. He wants us to spend time with him. See, being devoted to him, recognizing who he is. That's what God desires. Being, staying in fellowship. Not just in fellowship with God, but staying in fellowship with people. You got to stay in fellowship with people to keep that edge because people are going to challenge us. Matter of fact, we need people to challenge us. We need people to get us upset. We need people to do things to us in which we get pain from. What? Yeah. You know why? Because if we never felt the pain and the hurt that people bring, we would never be seeking God for the healing. That's why. So there's going to be pain and hurts and tribulations. But that's why God is there. That's Rafi because he's able to bring healing no matter what it might be. And then the implementation of the word. We have to put the word into practice. When we put it into practice, that's when we see God move. We, that, see, putting it into practice is what gives God the opportunity to show who he is. Not just knowing about him, but knowing him. That's what does it. Keeps our edge sharp. And then finally, staying yielded to the Holy Spirit. Staying yielded to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who's able to keep us going. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives, gives us power. The Holy Spirit is how we live out this Christian life because we can't do it in our flesh. And if we allow the Holy Spirit to do his job, then our edge is going to stay sharp. So I hope you're encouraged by that this morning. And I hope that if you don't have someone in your life who can disciple you, well, you can feel free to call me and we help link up with somebody to, to help you with that process. But I encourage you to find someone who would be willing to walk alongside of you to help you in your journey. It doesn't matter how old you are either because we all need discipleship. We really do. And then I would encourage you to find someone that you can disciple because what you learn, you need to be giving it out. And that's the perfect way to do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you want our lives to have a cutting edge to it. Lord, we thank you that through this edge, we are able to know truth. And this truth is what changes us. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And through him, we are able to experience that life. And we are able to experience it eternally. Lord, we so appreciate what you've done for us. And Lord, we ask that you will continue to help us to grow, continue to move in our lives, and give us the desire to serve you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise God. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap in this sanctuary. Amen, amen. We thank God for that powerful word. And it reminds me of when Jesus walked by the shorelines and he said to the fishermen, I want to make you fishers of men. Jesus is still making fishers of men of us. And we need to stay close to him and his word, stay close to the leadership that's in the church so that you can grow, you can be edified through what God pours into them and as they pour out to you so that you can be a fountain for someone else to drink from. Amen? And so it's very important that we stay tuned to the Word of God. Praise God. Just a few announcements. Um, one is that Wissahickon Church will be doing their online services starting September the 12th, which we are excited about, praise God. And also, we want you to keep in prayer of those children that are going back to school. Some are going back in and some are staying home. But either way, we want you to keep the families in prayer. It's going to be hard for some to have their children there and some parents have to stay home now and and watch their children online and help them out. And so we want to keep them in prayer, these families. And we also believe that God is still able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. Because he is awesome. Still to this day, God is still changing lives and helping families and strengthening families. Amen. Just a quick reminder. It's according to our worship. And this is what the word of God has called us to do the ministries that we are tied to is that we will continue to tie and bless God with our giving. Amen. And so there is a box over here to my left, to your right, that you can drop your envelopes or your money in. Those that are watching online, we invite you to take a moment and seek God and give to this ministry. Amen. And we thank you for your giving. We pray that God will bless you continuously. Come on, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask right now for your presence in our lives continuously. Lord, we ask that you would move in the homes and the, the, in, in the schools for these children. Father, we ask that you will cover them, Lord, under your blood. And Father, we ask right now that your hand of protection would be around them. Father, we ask that you will step into these families. And as these parents have an opportunity to teach their children that they will also remind their children about the God that we serve. And Father, we ask that you would just pour love, peace, patience, and kindness. We ask that your spirit of mercy and your grace and your peace would be upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. And Lord, we thank you for that powerful word. And we ask that it will seek out those that heard the word and it will become alive in them. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at RoxboroughChurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.